Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Um, the, the message I have for you tonight, it's called In His Image. In His Image. And uh, this is so important for us to, as believers to know. Um, man, we have an image on the inside of us. We have an identity. The, the Bible says in Proverbs 23, verse 7, as a man thinks in his heart. As a man thinks in his heart. That's talking about the image on the inside of you. As a man thinks in his heart. This is the image that you have of yourself. That is the image that you have inside of you. What, whatever that image is, so is he. You know, Proverbs, that just spells it out very simply. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The image that you have on the inside of you, so you are. That picture on the inside of you, it will determine the picture on the outside of you. You will conform to that image. Whatever image you have on the inside of you, that will... That will shift how you think, how you speak, and even how you behave. You know, and um, um, that, that image, um, it'll eventually shape your destiny as well. It shapes how you think, how you speak, how you act, and even it'll shift and shape your destiny. And um, I believe that there are two main sources for an inner image that eventually shape your identity, that, that shape your destiny that shape who you are and where you're going. The first is an image that, that God wants for you. you know, let's, let's go back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. And we'll start in verse 26. And this is so, so beautiful. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created men three times. We were created in his image, in his likeness. Let this, this is the main thing that God did when he created mankind, when he made Adam and Eve and, and every human that would be, we, were, we are all created in his image. In his image, he created them male and female. This is really important too. And, and you see that there's a big attack on male and female, this, this attack from the world, this attack from the, the, the ruler behind this world system. There's attack on male and female uh, he created them. Then God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every grain herb for food. Then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. We, there, there are two main sources for your image. One is from God, the way he intended it. We were created in his image. We were created to have dominion. To, we were destined to reign in life. We were destined to be fruitful, to multiply, to be product, productive. He's given us food. He's given us seed. He's, his blessing is on us, and that blessing flows out of that image. A bad image, a bad inner image will stop the flow of the blessing. It will stop the power of God's 
influence in your life. Two types of image, in his image or outside his image. Outside his image, that, that comes from the world, from the, from the ruler of this world, from Satan. Satan's first attack on mankind was an attack on their image, an attack on their identity. Satan attacks people a lot of ways. You can look through scripture and see how Satan attacks people. He attacks people's health. He attacks their life. He kills. He steals. He impoverishes people. He torments people. He gives them anguish. He tries to put demons inside of people. But, but the, the very first attack on humanity was in their image. Genesis 3, verse 5, he approached the woman and said, God knows that in the day you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. But they were created in his likeness. He, he was attacking their image. You really aren't like God. You really aren't created in his image. You really aren't fruitful. You, you're lacking. God doesn't really care about you. He's holding out on you. He doesn't really love you. He doesn't have what's best for you. I have something better for you. I have a better way to think. I have a better way for you to see yourself. He, he tried to take them outside of that image. That's a very first, he, you know, he could have tried to make, you know, Adam get the flu. He could have tried to give COVID-19 to Adam and Eve. He could have tried to, you know, spoil their fruit and, and but the very first thing he attacked was that image, was their identity, their, 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 the picture of who they were, that picture that God wanted to imprint on the inside of them. And, and, and there's nothing new under the sun. The devil really isn't that smart. He's still attacking that very same thing. Yes, he steals. Yes, he, he, he wants to put sin. Yes, he wants to bind people. Yes, he wants to torment people. But the enemy, I think the number one thing he's trying to do in the world today is attack people's image. You don't have a creator. You don't, the, you know, and if you do think there's a God, he's not really a good God. He doesn't really care about you. He doesn't really love you. He's not, he's holding out on you and, and you're, you're just nothing as a result. No. He tries, tries to, to give people a, a terrible image. And, and that, from, from that, just, just the, the, the devil can just, just really trap people. Just from, from, from attacking them and, and putting them outside of that image that God has for them. So my, this is really my first point that I'm going to go into tonight. And it's about a grasshopper image. The devil tries to put a grasshopper image on the inside of you, an image that is separate from God, separate from relationship with him, separate from the blessing that he has, separate from being fruitful and multiplying, and I have more than enough. I have abundance. I have everything I need. And you have to squish a grasshopper image before it squishes you. That serpent should have been squished right then and turned into a pair of boots right then and there. Amen. I have lots of various creatures that I've turned into boots. There are snake boots. I don't have snake boots yet. Maybe I will in honor of who I'm crushing under my feet these days. These are ostrich boots. They're kind of mean birds, so they, they, they make good boots, though. 
God put him on this earth for a reason, so. And you know, someday, in 2023, Pastor Aaron Perdue would want a nice pair of boots that are uh, very strong leather, but also very light and comfortable and breathable. And it's actually one of the strongest leathers, uh, the tensile strength. If you, they, they test leathers to see what weight they can hold before they break. And, and ostrich leather, even though it's a thinner leather, it's, one of the, it's the strongest leather compared to even calf, cow, you know, all these, all these creatures that I have dominion over. Elephant, kangaroo, eel. There, there are many types of boots. It's, it's amazing. So, um, Numbers 13. Numbers 13. Let's look at verse, start in verse 1 and 2. This is the Israelites coming out of the wilderness into the promised land trying to get to the promised land. Numbers 13, verse 1 and 2, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone, a leader among them. He was saying, send, send out you know, a leader from each tribe. Send out the best of the best from each tribe to this land that I am giving them. They, they knew that this was their destiny. This was, this was very simple. This is your land that I am giving you. This is, this is your destiny. This is, and I, I, I think God wanted them to spy it out because he wanted to see them. He wanted them to have an image of that land. I want you to be able to picture where you are going. Send out, send out someone who can see it and come back and report and give you that picture of the promised land. You are to picture your destiny. You are to picture your promises. You are to picture who you are in Christ. I want you to picture it. So they, they went out. Verse 17, it says, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into, this, into the south, go up to the mountains, see what the land is like. He said, see what the people there who are, are like. See um, you know, who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are forests there or, like, he didn't even know if there were forests there or not. He knew, they, they knew nothing about this land. They didn't have, you know, Google Earth to just see what this land looked like. They hadn't been there for 400 years. There, there was probably not much report on what this land was like or what happened in a 400-year time period. See if there's forests there or not. Be of good courage. I like that phrase there. Be of good courage. Bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near the entrance of Hamath. He wanted them to go and see it get an image of what it looked like, and come back and just tell us what it looks like. We want to see, see what it looks like for ourselves, And report, you know, let us know who's there, what the land looks like, bring back some grapes. We want to we taste what this land will taste like. Moses was so eager to go to that land himself. He wanted to taste the land. Moses got to taste the promised land. He, got, he probably was the first one to grab those grapes those jumbo grapes that were the size of oranges. 
and was just, just couldn't wait to go there and make some grape juice. So they went, spied it out, they came back, verse 26. They departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation, showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. You can just picture grapes the size of oranges. You know, Heather went shopping at Whole Paycheck the other day, I mean Whole Foods and brought back some grapes. And she was bragging about these grapes, how, how big they were. How, but I was like, well, what was the, the price of these grapes? Was it a giant price for these grapes? Or... <clears throat> Look at its fruit. Verse 28, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified, very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people. So the people, they, they started picturing other things. They weren't just picturing the, the milk and the honey and picturing what God was going to do for them. They started picturing themselves just getting swallowed up and destroyed and stabbed and gouged and just beat up by the giants there. They, they, they started getting the wrong image, and they started speaking up from that image that they had on the inside. That image will affect how you speak, how you think, how you act, and ultimately it will affect your destiny. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and, and said, let us go up at once and possess. Take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able. They're saying, we, we, we saw, we got an image of what that land looks like, but, but the image that we have we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies, it is a land that devours its inhabitants. They're just like making up stuff at this point. It's becoming fake news. Like you just said, the, like, like this land is flowing with milk and honey and then like great people live there. And now you're saying it devours them. Well, which is it? Is it a good land or is it a land that devours people? They, they completely changed the report within one minute. It sounds like a modern day politician. They said it devours its inhabitants. All the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. When you read scripture, you actually see that the inhabitants there, as the Israelites started coming in with Joshua, the inhabitants, even starting in Jericho, they were scared of the Israelites. They didn't see the Israelites as grasshoppers. They'd already heard reports about God opening the Red Sea and squashing all of Pharaoh's army, the greatest army in the world. That the, they, they probably feared the Egyptians. 
this great empire. And, and, and God, the God of the Israelites, wiped out Pharaoh and his army in an instant. They were f- afraid of them. Their main problem, the ten spies, their main problem was that they looked at the problems more than at the promise. Their focus was on the problem, not on the promise. They actually completely forgot the promise. They mentioned nothing about God. They mentioned nothing about the promise. They mentioned nothing about this is where we are going. This is our purpose. This is our destiny. This is why we were created. It all, it all went back down to the basic level of their own image. They did not have the right image. They had a cursed image. They had an image that was corrupted by the devil. And that affected how they thought. That affected how they spoke. That affected how they acted. That ultimately affected their destiny. It all came back to their image. A grasshopper image. Constant pessimism. No hope, no faith, and constant fear. A grasshopper image says, I will never amount to anything. Why even bother? Why have goals? Why have dreams? When you feel like a grasshopper, for anyone who feels like a grasshopper in any way, you feel like the problem is greater than the promise. Do these four things to squash a grasshopper image. And if you do not squash the grasshopper image, it will squash you. Number one, spend time in the word. When you feel like, and every single person will feel like a grasshopper at some point, in some way. Spend time in the word. It's number one. Number two, be around people of faith. Don't be around the the bad spies. Don't be around people who are constantly giving a bad report. Be around people of faith. Spend time in the world. Be, Be around people of faith. Number three, pray in tongues. When you feel like a grasshopper, when you feel like the problem is greater than the promise, pray in tongues. Stop, drop, and holy roll. Pray in tongues. It builds you up in faith. It gives you boldness. It fills you with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Number four, keep going back to your relationship with Jesus. Keep going back to to who you are with Jesus, that he loves you, that I, I am well able. Keep going back to your relationship with Jesus. Squish a grasshopper image before it squishes you. And I guarantee if you do all four of those things, that grasshopper image will be squished very quickly. Next point, how others see you doesn't matter. You might think other people see you as a grasshopper. Grasshopper. How others see you does not matter. Let's look at 1 Samuel 16, verse 6. 1 Samuel 16. We'll start in verse 6. This is um, when God 
spoke to Samuel and said, you're to go anoint someone else. Stop mourning for Saul. You are now to, to fill your horn with oil. Move on. Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, and I provided for myself a king amongst his sons. Samuel went. People knew that something was up. And it says in verse 6, he gets there, he talks to Jesse and says, you know, bring out your sons. So Jesse knows what's going on. He knows that probably one of his sons will be chosen as king, and he sends out the, the oldest. And usually the oldest is the most capable, the smartest, the I'm the oldest, I know, firsthand, the best looking, the, the most likely to be king. So he brought out Eliab. It was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Samuel said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. He thought, this guy looks like a king. But the Lord said something very important to Samuel. Do not look at his appearance. Everyone, humans can only see this thing. Don't look at his physical stature. Because I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees. The Lord does not see as man. It does not matter how people see you. The only thing that matters is how God sees you. I don't see how man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I am looking at his inner image. I'm looking at the hidden man of the heart. I'm looking at that image that is on the inside of him. Do, do they have a grasshopper image? Do they have an image like Saul that, that's constantly worried about what people think, that's constantly swayed by public opinion? Saul, Saul would give in to, to anything. Major fear of man. left very little room for a fear of God. He was so fearful of man. And I, I think this is very powerful. Verse 7 is so, God had to speak this to Samuel. Samuel could hear, like from, from the time he was a child in Shiloh, dedicated there to the, to the tabernacle by his mother, Hannah. He could hear the audible voice of God. And yet God had to stop him, you know, mid-assignment and say, listen, listen, listen. You might think you know it all, but you don't. I am looking at that, that inner image. Even, and he said, Samuel, as prophetic as you are, as spiritual, you cannot see at that level that I can see. God's word is greater than, 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 than anything. His, his ability to see into your heart is greater than, than anyone else's ability to see deep into your heart. That's why it's so important for each and every believer to have such a, a strong relationship with God because he can see your heart better than anyone else. You can't just rely upon my opinion, my word, my whatever, like anyone. Even, even if Samuel would just... Would just just appear out of nowhere and start prophesying over each and every one of you. God can see deeper into you than even Samuel could. Does this make sense? So Jesse called, verse 8, 
Abinadab made him pass before Samuel, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. He, he was ruddy. He had red hair. He, he, you know, got burnt easily. He, <laughs> the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is the one. Then Samuel He's probably thinking to himself, this can't be the one. But you know, the last one didn't work out at all, and I'm really frustrated by it, so I'm just going to do whatever God says. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. That, and there's something... For, for a long while, I... I David, David was not viewed the, by other people the way God viewed him. You know, he was viewed as a runt. He was viewed as the least. He was viewed as number eight. Jesse didn't even think he was going to be a possibility to be king. You know, maybe, maybe people around you, maybe someone close to you saw zero potential in you. Don't worry. How other people see you doesn't matter. God sees something different in you. He has a different image of you. And if you can get his image of you on the inside of you, that will shift things. That will shift how you think, how you speak, how you act, and it will shift your destiny. David didn't have a grasshopper image. He had a spirit of faith on the inside of him. The spirit of faith is the direct opposite of a grasshopper image. Other people probably saw him as a little grasshopper. But he said, I'm not just a grasshopper squisher, I'm a giant squisher. It stemmed from his relationship with God. This fierce, unconquerable heart of God. It stemmed from his relationship with God. And we see this so clearly when he, when he faces a giant. When no one believed in him, no one, no one thought he stood a chance. If, they were take, if there was a bookie there in that valley with Goliath on one side and the Israelites on the other side, they were probably taking million to one odds that day. Give us, you know, just one shekel. And you'll get a million in return if David wins. Let's look at verse 26. 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. David heard this giant speaking, and, and David spoke to the man. Now that image, it's gonna, it's gonna shift. Your inner image created in his image, it's gonna affect how you speak, how you act. Where you go. He spoke to the men. He's speaking up. 
What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? He had a picture of Israel. He had a picture of who he was. He had a picture of who Israel was as well. We are God's covenant people. What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? When I sing the, the enemy, when I see the, the, the Antichrist, that spirit, when I see that world system trying to attack the armies of the living God, trying to defy the name of Jesus, trying to defy children, something on the inside of me gets a little ticked. And I might be ruddy and bright-eyed and good-looking and many people don't think I had that much influence, but something on the inside of me goes off. It's called the spirit of faith. It's not a weak spirit. It's not a wimpy spirit. The Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. The church should roar right now. Let's go to verse 33. Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine. That's, that's very encouraging. David could have just went home crying. The king didn't believe in me. I'm such a victim. I need therapy. I'm so hurt by the king of Israel. You're not able to fight with him. You are a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. Look, look at, like, he's just saying, look at this. But David spoke. From, from this image on the inside of him. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock. I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. You heard about Samson? He's like, I could beat him up. He heard about Samson, one of the judges a few generations prior. Sam, he was probably inspired by Samson, and even though he didn't have long hair and couldn't, he's like, just give me some Philistines and a jawbone and see what I can do. <laughs> Your servant, he probably dressed up as Samson, you know, at church and wore a long-haired wig, you know, from... Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. It's not really about me. It's about, it's about God. This image, this boldness, this faith, it's not really about me. It's about God. It's about who is on the inside of me. It's about who I serve 
It's about why I am on the face of this earth at this given moment. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. He probably didn't say it very encouragingly. Let's skip to verse 42. He's going out to battle. When the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So just a little pretty boy. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. He cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, come to me and I will, it's not really about Goliath and it's not really about David, it's about the one true God. Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air, the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name, in the name It's not about me. It's not about my might. It's not about my ability. I am coming to you with a purpose. The name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. There is something about the name of Jesus, the most powerful name in the universe. I can tell you that God does not like that name being defied. He does not like his people being defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. This day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know. It's not about them knowing me. His purpose for this was that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. All the earth will know that there is a God. There is one true God. And he is one only begotten son named Jesus, whom he raised up and and brought into heaven. And he is seated in heavenly places over all principalities, over all powers. Then all this assembly, verse 7, shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Man, this image that David had on the inside of him, that stemmed from his relationship with God, that spirit of faith, it always squishes a grasshopper image, but it will squish giants as well. David killed that giant, and it all stemmed from that image. How other people doesn't see you does not matter. Jesus always gives us a spirit of faith. This is my last point for you tonight. Jesus always gives us a spirit of faith. He wants to transform that image on the inside of you. He wants to restore that image that God created mankind with. He, he came to, to, to destroy the curse and to usher in that blessing. But not only that, he came to... to, to to usher us into that place of of being created in his own image. 
that very first thing that the enemy tried to destroy. Jesus comes to restore that. He comes to give us that spirit of faith that will always squish a grasshopper image. I love what Paul writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. Timothy was a pastor. Pastors sometimes deal with a grasshopper image. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. A spirit of faith always leads to power, to love, and to a sound mind, to good thinking. The devil will give people a spirit of fear, which leads to weakness. The world system pushes constant fear because it makes people weak. Constantly pushing fear because it weakens people. It subjugates people. It chains people. It makes them be God. A lot of governments don't like God because they want to be God. A lot of governments push fear because they want to be God. A lot of the world system pushes fear because they want to be God. The devil pushes fear because he wants to be God. A spirit of fear leads to weakness. A spirit of fear leads to hatred. You look at, at hateful people. People are just full of hatred, full of spite, full of malice, full of... The root cause of hatred is fear. Whenever you see just, just a lot of hatred, the, the root cause of it is almost always fear. Fear of loss, fear of abandonment, fear of rejection, fear of just fear. Spirit of fear leads to bad thinking. Fear always leads to bad thinking. And bad thinking leads to bad talking, leads to bad behavior, leads to a bad destiny. But perfect love casts out fear. Jesus always demonstrates the perfect love of God. He, faced, he, he ministered to people who were weak, who were hateful, who were thinking poorly, and, and that perfect love casts out fear. And when that's cast out, faith can come in. That spirit of faith can come in. And that spirit of faith, I, I love what 2 Corinthians 3. Let's turn here really quick. This will be my last scripture tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll start in verse 16. Jesus gives us a spirit of faith. And something that that spirit of faith, something that the Holy Spirit always wants to do is it, the Holy Spirit is always working on the inside of us. Working on the inner man of the heart. Working on the image. Trying to, trying to just keep bringing you back to the Father. Bringing you back to the Creator. Bringing you back to, to who you are in Him. Bringing you back to that proper image. The Holy Spirit always does that. that that's why I said if you have a grasshopper image, pray in tongues. The Holy Spirit, one thing that the Holy Spirit does is transform your image places you into his image. We see this here in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, who here has turned to the Lord? You made Jesus your Lord, and so you said, Jesus, I believe on you. You are Lord and Savior. When one turns to the Lord, something happens on the inside of you. There is a veil that is taken away. You're able to see who you really are, who God really intended for you to be. You're, you're able to, to start looking into the, the veil is removed, and God wants to show you who you are. He wants to show you that image that he has placed on it. He wants to show you what you have in your spirit. 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. One act of the Holy Spirit on the believer's life is to to help you see what you have on the inside of you, to remove the veil, to remove your bad thinking, to remove the, 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 the fear, to remove the hatred, to remove the rejection, to remove all that junk that the enemy tries to cloud people with, tries to put on people. The Holy Spirit is constantly trying to get that junk out of the way. So you can see who you are in Christ. See that true image on the inside of you. And transform you into that image. There are two images you can be conformed to. You can be conformed to His image. We were created in His image. You can conform to the image of Jesus... Or you can conform to the image of the world. Outside his image. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Sorry, I'm adding one more scripture. This is the last one for real. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Paul's saying this image, how you think, what you see on the inside, this is a big, I, I beseech you, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He's saying you need to act a certain way, you need to go a certain way. But it comes back to this, don't be conformed to this world, don't assimilate to the image of this world. What the world thinks doesn't really matter. What the world sees as normal does not really matter. What the world sees as normal is, quite frankly, disgusting. Don't assimilate to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, that acceptable, and the perfect will of God. So in conclusion, maybe you feel like a grasshopper in a certain area of life. Come to Jesus. He will show you who you truly are. You are not lacking. You are not abandoned. You are not cursed. You are blessed by the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth. You are created with a purpose. You are created for a purpose. You are created in his image. You are created in his image. You have to see that image. You have to thank that image. And then once you do so, you'll, you'll speak it. You'll think it. You'll dream it. You'll do it. You'll, it'll shift your destiny in a powerful way. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.